Money FM 89.3, best of prime time. Market View on Money FM 89.3. You're listening to Money FM 89.3. I'm Chua Tian with your Market View. Now, lots of things going on this week, especially in the Europe and UK. Now, we have the UK stimulus package to help households and People deal with energy bills, amongst others, but we'll leave the macroeconomic developments for Monday once markets have time to digest and look through those. But for today, we're going to focus on the stock market in the US, Europe and Singapore, as well as key companies to watch. So back to today's topic, we're going to be looking at three big themes. We'll start with US before funneling down to Europe and Singapore. So we'll look at Fed's assessment of the economic climate over the next year and how that will affect stock markets. Moving away from the US, we'll look at European markets and how they are faring after the European Central Bank's rate decision. And finally, we'll end off by talking about the Singapore stock market and the companies we should be looking out for. And joining me as we break down all that market action, David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Hi, David. Hello, Tian and thank you for inviting me on to Singapore's most influential radio station. Well, thank you very much, David, for joining us on a Friday afternoon as well. David, maybe let's start with some of those burning questions from U.S., Right, the bitch book showed the U.S. economy grew slightly through the end of August. The outlook remained weak for the next year. So how do you think markets are likely to react over the course of the coming week? Okay, Uh, I think on the one hand, uh, it depends uh, which hat you are wearing. Mm -hmm. Some people think that because the U.S. economy is showing some kind of moderation, slowdown, they think that the Federal Reserve will take its foot off the gas in terms of interest rate increases, but I think they're going to be very misguided because Mm -hmm. according to Jerome Powell, Jay Powell, the Fed chair, what he said was that he is not going to take his foot off the gas and it would appear that the, the Beige Book is telling the Federal Reserve, what it wants to hear. In other words, that there is a slowdown in the economy, which it is trying to engineer at the moment, but there is also some uh, worrying signs that uh, the employment level is still relatively Mm. high and that uh, he still needs to do more in order to try and sort of get uh, the labour market loosening up a bit rather than tightening up, because when you have a tight labour market, it means that workers are going to ask for more wages, and then you have this problem with inflation. So I think um, what uh, the market will take away from that is that the Federal Reserve will probably carry on increasing interest rates until such time that we see uh, unemployment levels start to rise in the U.S. Mm, But some market watchers right now, they are saying that stock markets in the U.S. are pretty positive because pretty much they have priced in all of their interest rate hikes, so they are remaining confident for now. Do you agree with that assessment, though? Totally disagree with that altogether. Uh I I don't think uh, that we are anywhere near um, uh, peak interest rates at the moment. Uh, There is a a person by the name of Larry Summers, who was the former Treasury Secretary in the U.S., and what he's saying is that interest rates may have to go as high as 6% in the U.S. Mm. before they actually sort of keep a lid on inflation. So I tend to agree with Larry Summers. He talks an awful lot of sense. And I think uh, those people Mm. who think that interest rates will probably peak at around three, maybe three and a half percent, I think they're going to be very disappointed. I think the Federal Reserve is going to go all the way 
to try and uh, uh, keep a lid on that inflation, and it could mean that interest rates ha- could have a long way to go. But, of course, you know, um, there are people out there who will try and sort of talk up their own books again. Mm. What they're trying to do is to try and sort of encourage people to go back into the stock market. But mm-hmm. uh, I think valuations are still probably a little on the high side, given the way that interest rates might go. Mm. So, talk about disappointment and setting yourself up for disappointment. How should we avoid that, David? Which are the sectors that would be relatively resilient despite that gloomy economic outlook? Okay, well, I think in times of recession, uh, uh, the old uh, adage that you should be looking at sectors that uh, people can easily uh, afford. In other words, the goods produced by those companies that people can easily afford or cannot Mm. easily do without. So uh, the uh, the sectors that people can easily afford, well, I mean, these are the cheap and cheerful sectors, things like um, uh, fast food, that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, uh, Uh. chips and burgers. Those are the things that, you know, that people can easily afford. And the things that people cannot easily do without will probably be healthcare. So uh, you don't really have much choice in terms of healthcare and you will do whatever you can in order to uh, try and afford to buy those kind of things. So I think whenever you look at companies, just ask yourself this question. Is it something that people can easily afford, uh, Mm. or is it something that people cannot easily do without? And um, uh, those are the best kind of companies to look at in terms of uh, an economic slowdown to the point of recession. Mm. And I really wanted to pose you this question, David. Temasek Holdings is raising the stake for online platform Roblox, food delivery platform DoorDash and e-commerce giant Amazon. Do you agree with that assessment? Should we as retail investors follow suit? Is that something that we can consider as well in the okay, US? Uh, mm. Okay, okay, Ken, Ken. What is good for Temasek is not the same as what is going to be good mm, for us. Right? Definitely. Uh, Okay, every individual, right, mm. uh, will have his or own preferences in terms of investing. So when you have a look at companies like uh, Roblox, when you're looking at uh, DoorDash, uh, mm. and also finally the one that you also mentioned, which was Amazon. I mean, these are online companies. I mean, these are companies that will be promising uh, you something in the future, right, mm. uh, in terms of profits, in terms of dividends. But uh, is it right for me? The answer is probably no. Because, I mean, I am somebody who is an income investor. I like uh, to hear the sound of dividends hitting my bank account on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, these companies don't fall into that category. So, yes, by all means, sort of uh, look at what Tomasic is doing. But they are a, a very, very long-term investor with a very long horizon. And they're willing to invest in these companies that are promising something in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to- I want something now, Tian Tian. I mean, uh, I, 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 am, I am over 60 years of age, so I want something now. I don't want something in 20 years' time, you know, when I'm going to be too old to invest. So everybody needs to ask themselves, what is it that uh, floats their boat? What is it that interests them, right? Mm. And uh, if you are looking at these sort of long-term investments, fine. Uh, but uh, I think you need a balanced portfolio. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having a few of those companies in your portfolio, but uh, make sure that your portfolio fits with your investing philosophy, not uh, the philosophy of Tomato. Mm, definitely. So, David, in that case, which companies should we be looking at in the U.S. or week, or which are the companies that we can be looking at in the U.S. that you think maybe oh. are undervalued? Well, I think I've already mentioned um, uh, one or two. Mm. I mean, uh, the ones that are in the fast food business, I think most of us know the uh, uh, the Golden Arches. I mean, ah. that would be one. That mm. would be one. 
Uh, what about, you know, some companies that are catering to um, streaming media? Mm-hmm. Uh, so a company like Disney would certainly sort of fall into that category. I think they provide a, uh, a service that people would be kind of interested in. And Disney's share price is actually sort of down from its peak. So it would be something that people would be looking at. And of course, you know, even though there is a uh, economic slowdown or a recession uh, likely around the corner, some people are probably going to say, yeah, you know, I still need that holiday. I still need to take the kids out. So look at those kind of companies, um, the things that will give people uh, some kind of enjoyment, even though there is an economic slowdown. So uh, those would be the ones that I would be interested in. Uh, there are also other things like uh, telecom companies, telecom towers. I mean, those are the ones that we can't easily do without Tian Tian. I mean, what, what, what are we talking on at the moment, mm. right? A mobile phone. So therefore... <laughs> Uh, those are the kind of companies that I think, you know, will probably mm. sort of uh, survive. Well, so let's put our attention on European markets away from the US. The ECB hiking interest rates by 75 basis points to tackle inflation. David, how do you think markets are likely to react in the coming week? I don't think the ECB had any choice, Ken Ken. I mean, you mm. look at inflation in the, in, in the Eurozone, I mean, running at about sort of 8-9% yep. at the moment, mm. and they only put up interest rates by 75 basis points. Are you kidding me, really? <laughs> I mean, 0.75% increase mm. in interest rates. So I think they've got a long way to go as well. And of course, you know, they're very mindful that the euro is falling against or has been falling against the US dollar, the mighty dollar. So they have to do something in order to try and sort of regain the confidence in people. But I tell you something else, Ken, Ken. We forget sometimes that when we talk about the Eurozone, we're not talking about one country. We're mm. talking about uh, a confederation of countries within the Eurozone. Mm. So increasing interest rates might be good for certain economies, mm. like Germany, but it could be very bad for other economies, very heavily indebted economies like Spain, uh, like Italy. I mean, they have a very heavy debt burden. So increasing mm. interest rates is not going to be good for them but it certainly could be good for uh, some of the um, uh, more robust economies uh. like uh, the Netherlands and, uh, and uh, maybe even Germany and mm-hmm. France. Uh, they would be okay, but it's going to be a pretty mixed bag for Europe. Mm. And given how markets are likely to react, which sectors do you think would be worth looking at right now? Earlier, we do see some shares of energy firms, in particular Uniper, Siemens, falling amid the energy crisis. Would it be time to snap up energy shares in the region? Uh, I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we all know that we have an energy crisis at the moment. And uh, whilst we've always been um, very cautious about energy companies, particularly mm-hmm. when we saw... Uh, a few years ago when uh, oil prices fell to zero or if not below zero, um, everybody was saying that was the end of um, oil and that oil didn't have a future. But I think we're beginning to realize now that, yes, if we are going to go towards a greener future, we can't do it all in one go. We can't just simply jump off the cliff and say, shut down the, uh, the oil and gas sector and let's focus on wind and solar power. That's not going to happen overnight. So I think it's going to be a transition. And I think during that transition, energy companies, the traditional energy companies like the oil and gas sectors still have a role to play as we move towards that sort of greener future. Mm. And uh, meanwhile, David, since we are on the topic of Europe, and the UK is mourning the death of its queen of 70 years but how much of an impact do you think this would have on financial markets on the days leading to a funeral? Or was it like what we have seen markets digested the news already at the moment? Uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think it is very sad when I heard the news last mm. night. Uh, I mean, the Queen has been uh, 
head of state for um, many countries around mm. the world. And she has also been the head of the Commonwealth. So, yes, but I think also uh, it was, um, I, I wouldn't say inevitable, Tian Tian, but I think most of us knew that the Queen was getting uh, frailer mm. by the day and that um, it was only a mm. question of time. So how the markets are going to react? Yeah, I think, first of all, the markets are going to be quite sad, but I think the market will bounce back because mm. uh, there is a much bigger problem at the moment. Yeah. So uh, uh, we will pay our respects to the Queen, but we also need to be mindful that there are huge problems around mm. the world, uh, and uh, those need to be resolved as well. If you're just tuning in, we're now speaking to David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. David, let's look at home in Singapore, we are seeing a number of digital banks popping up last week. What does it mean for the shares of the companies that that are backing these digital banks? And should the trio of local banks be concerned? Okay, uh, well, there are two questions there. The first mm. one is uh, the companies that are backing these digital banks. I don't think it's going to be an easy ride for the digital banks, mm. uh, simply because most of us here in Singapore are not unbanked, right? We all have a bank account. Mm. And uh, anyone can uh, simply go into a POSB and open a bank account. So I, I, don't, I don't think their target audience is us in Singapore. But what I do believe is that many of these um, digital banks are using Singapore as a kind of uh, nursery ground. They want to get their products in place. They want to ensure that the products are working and that the products are reliable. And so I think there is no better place than Singapore for doing it mm-hmm. uh, because I think they have their sights set on uh, other countries around Southeast Asia uh, where there are more unbanked people. So they're probably sort of looking at places like maybe the Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, Thailand, Malaysia, mm-hmm. the rest of Southeast Asia. But it is important to sort of get their products in place and to get the, uh, the reassurance from people that they have got a product and mm. it is being vetted by uh, a regulator such as MAS. So that, that, that's one question. I, I don't think all of us are going to jump ship and mm. uh, we're, we're not going to close down our uh, DBS or OCBC and UOB mm. bank accounts and jump over to the digital banks. But we may put a little bit of money in there if their interest rates are attractive enough. So uh, your second question is, should the Singapore banks be worried? Yeah, I think I, I think what it is, what it has done, Tian Tian, is that it's been a wake-up call for the uh, the local banks. Uh, they've had it um, too good for too long, and they've kind of rested on their laurels a bit, and they think that, well, you know, we are the biggest banks here in Singapore. But now there are some young upstarts coming along, and what the the local banks are doing is they're having to refresh what they've uh, what they've already got and to try and provide uh, a service that is acceptable to uh, us consumers. So we're already seeing that with DBS. We're seeing it with your and OCBC. They are refreshing, refreshing the uh, offerings to us, mm. and I think uh, it is good mm. for them because I think uh, there's nothing wrong with competition here and here. Mm. So, and I am running out of time, but I have two very big questions I want to ask. Let me start with the first one, and that is Singtel's share price rather flat since its investor day. How do you feel about a company's longer-term outlook amid a slew of divestments? Right, okay. I think they had to divest. I'll be very quick as well. I think mm. they had to divest because they need to put the investment into 5G. And what comes after 5 uh, TNT six, six, right? So, <laughs> and after six comes seven, right? Mm. So they, they are going to have to carry on investing. And uh, what they're doing is uh, uh, they're getting rid of some of their existing investments in order to put their money into 5G and eventually 6G, 7G, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, it's a very 
uh, investment-dependent industry. And, and so uh, I'm not too surprised that the share price is uh, uh, wallowing at mm. the moment, but uh, I think it'll be fine. Once 5G and 6G and whatever starts to come along, uh, we'll be doing this phone call using uh, some virtual reality, maybe, Ken Jin. Oh, that'd be nice. Okay, one last question, Mr. Uh, David, before we let you go. I know you love REITs. Capital DC, Maple Tree and Industrial Trust, Landless Global Commercial REITs. These are all among those paying out distributions this month. Which one are you setting your sights on? Uh, well, you know, the ones that I already have in my portfolio. So mm. um, uh, certainly Maple, Maple Tree Industrial Trust. Mm. Uh, I, bought, I bought some more shares this morning uh, simply, be- <laughs> simply <laughs> because... Uh, I have some money left lying around, so mm. why not? I mean, uh, they're in the uh, data center business as well as the industrial sector. So uh, I like that company. I like companies with a nice, broad portfolio. And uh, like you said, uh, it's probably the worst kept secret that I am a lover of uh, real estate investment trusts. Mm, always a pleasure speaking to you, David. Thank you very much. I've been speaking to David Kuo, co-founder of The Smart Investor. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.